0: there are some things that you never seem to forget.
1: My mother still has the same phone number, five one three. Still lives in the same house, Lane, West Des Moines, Iowa, 50265. I could go park in front of her house and she would call the police on me.
0: The way that Angelica tells it, her mother is the reason that she first became homeless.
1: Yeah, like, I hate writing her name even. Yeah yeah
0: just just writing it
1: just everything about her Mm
0: -hmm.
1: she makes my blood boil Mm
0: -hmm.
1: even when i like have to write stuff out and i'm like here i go spelling her damn name and stuff i'm like the lady really is not my mother (laughs) i'm I'm still in therapy about that one no no, i I, I don't
0: mean to like when i first met angelica i knew that she'd been homeless for the better part of 20 years starting from the age of 12 into her early 30s. What I didn't know, but found out shortly after, was for those 20 years, help was theoretically only seven digits away. All that time, Angelica's mom was living in the same house. How does a 12-year-old become homeless anyway? From Rivet and Streetwise, this is where I stay. The deconstruction has begun.
1: Time for me to fall apart.
0: I'm Jesse Batend. On this show, we're exploring the impact of poverty and housing instability through the life stories of real people. In this case, Angelica, whose homelessness takes a number of forms after her mother first kicks her out.
1: He's the one in the white shirt, is one of the originals. He's been here forever. Because he was here when I was in the shelter. Still on the same corner. And
0: break apart. Today, she's a caseworker at a homeless shelter in Chicago. The same shelter where, up until a few years ago, she was I'll a resident herself. Apart. Right now it's going to start. I'll break apart. Episode 1.
1: Ain't that about a
0: bitch? I'll <laughs> break apart. If you asked me today how many people in the city of Chicago are experiencing some form of homelessness, I could probably give you a rough estimate sometime next year. Two reasons. The main studies analyzing homeless populations in the city are usually released one to two years after they're conducted. And then once the results finally do come in, they're guaranteed to conflict. That's because, strange as this might sound, there isn't an official definition for what constitutes homelessness. So let's just start with the numbers. As of 2020, the most recent year with complete data is 2018. And the number you'll see quoted most regularly is just under 5,300 people. That number comes from something called the point-in-time count. Each year, states report into the federal government about their homeless population. It's essentially a census for homelessness. Volunteer workers spend 24 hours walking the streets, counting homeless people, Checking shelter rolls. That information then gets sent to the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Needless to say, it's an estimate, but it is the number that gets used by government agencies like HUD and the Department of Family Services for things like creating the budgets for programs. The other number that you'll see is much larger. According to a study released in 2020 by the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless, Roughly 76,998 people experienced homelessness in Chicago during 2018. Now, you're probably wondering how there can be such a huge discrepancy. Who are those 70,000 people that aren't being counted in the first list? And they are what this show is all about, a category of people that are often referred to as the invisible homeless. They're usually people for whom living on the street is not an option. Or at least a last resort. Some of them are single mothers. Some of them are living with a physical disability or a chronic illness. A fair amount of them are children. And the answer to why they aren't counted all goes back to definitions, which brought me to Angelica.
1: Now I'm going to get real shy and be like, hi.
0: Oh, does hey. the mic make you weir- feel no. more uncomfortable? No. It's just weird. It is okay. weird. It is weird. Just ignore it. Like, pretend I'll it's get not used there. to it.
1: I'm like. <laughs>
0: For most of Angelica's life, she was homeless, but she spent none of that time on the street. In fact, in a lot of ways, Angelica's story is really the story of the places that she stayed and the things she had to do to stay in them. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. It's always tough to, uh, to start at the beginning, um, but it's always usually the best place to start. Uh, and I guess...
1: I was born by the river.
0: We'll keep going, don't stop. No, that's great. Angelica was born in Chicago. She lived there for a few years with her mom, dad, and two older brothers. But she doesn't really remember that time in her life. What is the first apartment that you remember living in?
1: 9023 Summit Drive. It was a duplex in Des Moines, Iowa. My mom had put roses in front of the window because it was a three-window, like, bay-type window. And um, our neighbors were really weird. I think they used to, like, run their dogs up and down the stairs so we could always hear them going up and down, up and down, up and down.
0: When she was a little girl, Angelica's mom took a job in Iowa and moved her and her two brothers to the Des Moines duplex.
1: My best friend lived across the street. I had my own room, then my brothers had to share a room.
0: (laughs) Angelica's father owned a club on Chicago's west side. On the weekends, he stayed in an apartment above the club, and on Mondays drove the six hours back to Des Moines. During the summer, Angelica would stay with her dad in the apartment above the club. It held a lot of fond memories for her.
1: We used to have our birthday parties there.
0: The club was the place to go to play dominoes in the neighborhood. And when things were busy, Angelica helped out.
1: I would take the beer from my father and take it to the tables and stuff, and I would get my little quarters.
0: She worked for tips, mostly those quarters that went right into a Pac-Man machine in the back, which, of course, was pretty great for her dad. Angelica loved it.
1: I just always wanted to be down there with him.
0: Over time, Angelica's dad made the drive less frequently, and Angelica's living situation with her mother started getting out of control. She got busted smoking cigarettes, then weed, started getting into fights.
1: I lived in the house till about 12.
0: Eventually, Angelica's dad stopped making the trips back to Iowa altogether. Her parents had gotten divorced. For Angelica, finding out was a surprise. Her parents had already been living separately, so they'd mostly kept fighting out of her sight. This whole period is a blur for her. She remembers going to family counseling sessions.
1: Back then, they called them support groups. (laughs) The ESP support group, I remember that.
0: That's education support professional, if you're wondering. She also remembers getting caught shoplifting.
1: Uh-huh. Okay. And- I think the first time I ever got busted stealing was some gum from a come and go down the street from my house. Yeah. And then from there, it was like clothes and, and knick-knack stuff from Claire's Boutique. I used to always steal out of Claire's. They ended up calling my mom because I was a minor. Yeah. So that's when they start putting you in the court system.
0: Suddenly, the social workers were coming to the house.
1: You know, do the whole kumbaya thing.
0: By now, Angelica's family had been classified as FINA, which stands for Family in Need of Assistance. This basically meant that an Iowa Department of Human Services social worker was assigned to talk to the family and assess their needs. From there, the court could require counseling or family therapy. If that didn't solve the problems... Then the social worker could classify the child, in this case Angelica, as a china.
1: It's when the courts adjudicate you a china, which is the child in need of assistance, that's when they start sending you away. Gotcha. And so, so that process was pretty quick for me.
0: So all of this is the backdrop. One night, after an argument with her mother, Angelica stormed up to her room, opened her diary, and wrote the words that got her kicked out
1: my mom takes heart rhythmic pills i I, her heart beats too fast or too slow one of the two Mm -hmm. and i don't know um when i started going kind of cuckoo in my cocoa puff um i wrote in my diary that i wanted to smash up her pills and put them in her food Mm. so then now all of a sudden i'm trying to kill her even though i didn't then she really sent me away that's like be, right before I went up to Monticello she sent me three so hours she f- away
0: she found that in your diary because mm-hmm. she's no scene kind of freaked her out I guess or... I guess.
1: so I was so out of control and and I can't control her and all this other stuff and that's how I ended up going
0: by the age of twelve Angelica's relationship with her mom was pretty broken and after that there was no going back Angelica was no longer welcome in her mother's home. But it's, let's say, legally sticky to just leave a 12-year-old on a street corner. Again, for most of her life, Angelica has had a place to stay. And as I said before, so much of what comes next is about those places. What she has to do to stay in them and off the street. So, location one, interior. Four Oaks Behavioral Center.
1: It was uh, an old hospital. There was a morgue back in the day.
0: After her mom discovered her diary, Angelica was sent to a behavioral treatment program called Four Oaks.
1: They had padded rooms. So if you got too out of control, they would push you into the padded room until you calmed down, and then you talked talk to a therapist and a counselor and a caseworker, and then you were able to come back. In
0: 1973, a few years before Angelica was born, a group of local businessmen in Iowa bought a house. The intention was to provide a home for 10 to 15 boys who had nowhere to go. They called the house Boys' Acres. Over the next decade, they added facilities and expanded options for, quote, troubled children when they could not live at home. In 1989, the project changed its name from Boys Acres to Four Oaks. This was where Angelica ended up, three hours away from home in Monticello, Iowa. When you live in a place like Four Oaks, you don't get to choose your own room or who you share it with.
1: The sink was in the middle in the room. And then it had like the the yellow light. It's like the creepy yellow lights, (laughs) not even the bright ones. And I used to tell them there's a man standing in the mirror. He's bandaged, but he wears a black hat. And they're like, no, there's nobody in the mirror. I'm like, yes, there is. He's there all the time. He's there all the time. I used to hallucinate well, what I would think was hallucination. I don't know if they were spirits for real or not.
0: Because of the mirror's placement in the center of the room, Angelica could always see the reflection of the bandaged man watching her, even from her bed.
1: He would just stand in the mirror and then he'd be gone.
0: You saw that every morning?
1: Every morning I would see the man in the mirror. Wow. I know, it's it's weird, it's... (laughs) it's weird.
0: Did that scare you?
1: Originally, yes. Because I'm like, um, no, I refuse to sleep in that room. It was a bed of four in there. And I'm like, no, I'm not sleeping in that room. Hail to the no.
0: At that point in time, Angelica had never been diagnosed with anything.
1: You know, it was either you were just bad or you were good. One of the two. I just, I had no other choice. They're like, no, you're tripping. It's not happening. Back then, there was no acceptance of bipolar. It's either, you know, oh, she went crazy, or she had a nervous breakdown, and that was it, and stuff. When, in reality, it was, I was seeing things.
0: Angelica did see a therapist as part of the program, but that early counseling was based almost entirely around getting her out of Four Oaks.
1: You're having problems, you're always in trouble here, you have a behavioral issue... I don't know what to do with you. Do what you're supposed to do every single day the way that they want it. And by the time you realize you're doing it and you're not even faking it no more. And that's exactly what I did. Just pacify the staff and do what they ask you to do and stuff and and make it into a pattern. So it was a matter of waking up, brushing my teeth, combing my hair, getting dressed, making sure my stuff is packed at night, being in class first. it became a pattern.
0: It's just like a matter of figuring out the things you have to do Mm -hmm. to convince people that you're okay.
1: Then I'm fine. Hmm. And then to get to the next step and be gone.
0: Angelica ran away again and again.
1: And you weren't running nowhere, you were three hours away from Des Moines. Mm. So, and you're in the middle of cornfields. Yeah. So it's just like a penitentiary.
0: Every time she got sent back, deeper into the system, what was supposed to be a few months, turned into a year and a half. I first met Angelica at her current apartment in August of 2018. She lives not too far from where her dad's club used to be. The building is owned by the shelter where Angelica last stayed when she was homeless, and where she now works. It's classified as permanent supportive housing, meaning the rent is a percentage of her paycheck. When she first moved in, it was just $75 a month. A lot of people have visited Angelica's apartment, some from the city and funders to the shelter, but also a group from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. She's happy to have them over.
1: As long as I get 24 hours to hide everything. <laughs> I can make a lot of things disappear real quick.
0: <laughs> when she absolutely doesn't have time, her trick is to hide things in the bathtub and just pull the shower curtain when people drop by. All
1: right.
0: When I got there, she was sitting on the steps waiting for me.
1: Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm great, how are you?
0: And we walked upstairs for the grand tour.
1: Yeah. So this is I told you, you can see the whole house from the front door.
0: (laughs) It's a small hybrid kitchen and living room. There's an old elevator shaft that makes a great little TV nook.
1: They kept slamming the doors, Mm -hmm. so all my mirrors keep falling off.
0: How many times has a mirror fallen and broken? Three and two small bedrooms, one for Angelica and one for her daughter, who everyone calls Strawberry.
1: Now, my daughter's room, I did not clean. I had five kids here last night and that's exactly what it looks like. Perfect. Five kids.
0: Wow. (laughs) Oh my God. Are there a hundred stuffed animals? Um, pretty much. I can't overstate just how many stuffed animals there were in that room.
1: So we got the Smurfs, um, little teddy bears, big teddy bears, dogs.
0: And what's really fascinating is how Angelica got them all.
1: The majority of those stuffed animals I've actually got out of bear claw machines. No, I have what? a thing Stop. for bear claws. Stop.
0: You yes. won all these?
1: Except for that big brown one and the purple one.
0: You know those arcade games where you try to grab yourself a toy with that unwieldy metal claw? Angelica's a master at them. So she literally has two of the same toy because you're that good at winning a bear claw machine. If I
1: find a machine that I can actually like manipulate, I'm there. Um, I used to go bowling with my ex uh-huh. and over there they had a machine and he would bowl and I would go play the machine and then all of a sudden uh-huh. the tables would be covered.
0: The whole point of a claw machine is that you don't get a toy for a dollar. You fail more than you succeed. That's built into it. And here's Angelica, this person who's broken the game.
1: I ended up donating three bags, big garbage bags, of stuffed animals to um, Chicago Police Department to give them to the kids like when there's a fire or whatever.
0: There are a lot of people like Angelica, people you won't see on the street and possibly never think about. Because there are some really good reasons a person doesn't want to be identified as homeless. For a lot of parents, the fear is having your kids taken away.
1: When I left the shelter, no, I wasn't in rags and torn up or dirty or anything else, and either was my child. But we were still homeless.
0: As a caseworker with the homeless shelter, Angelica works with homeless parents, helping them become better teachers to their children. But she has big goals besides. When she first got hired, she made her intentions clear.
1: The CEO, she's like, what do you want to do with your life? And I'm like, well, my goal is to take your job first. (laughs) The goal is still there. It may take me 10 years, but guess what? We still coming for it.
0: Even though Angelica's apartment is considered permanent supportive housing, meaning she can stay as long as she likes without getting kicked out, she feels a different kind of pressure to move on. There are only so many apartments like this in the city, and that means Angelica knows she's taking up a space that another family could use.
1: So... Yeah, ultimately the goal is to move out of here and take over Mr. job eventually.
0: So while it's technically permanent, for Angelica, this is only temporary. And of course, having your boss as a landlord can also cause some awkward situations, One of Angelica's co-workers works as a front desk manager at her apartment building.
1: Then she's like, "Uh uh-uh, the person you are at work and the person you are at home is night and day. I said, ain't that about a bitch. (laughs) So now, um, we're gonna take the little distance ride to, um, Okay. So you can see, um, the shelter and the community then from there we going south.
0: The last shelter that Angelica stayed in is right here on Chicago's west side.
1: My room is was in the back. Hmm. I'm trying to see you. So you uh, see where that blind yeah. is kinda of crooked? Yeah. That was my room.
0: Oh wow. So you could like look out on the little park at night? Or, yeah. Or, you know when you looked out your window?
1: Yeah and that's where we would go smoking. <laughs> Do all that. In the park? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Angelica has a unique position as someone who was homeless for most of her life and now works at a homeless shelter.
1: But back then there used to be a lot of dope dealers here, Mm -hmm. and they used to um, hide their drugs in the garbage can.
0: While some things about the neighborhood change rapidly, others never seem to.
1: He's the one in the white shirt is one of the originals. He's been here forever. Really? Yes. Because he was here when I was in the shelter. Wow. Still on the same corner.
0: But Angelica notices the changes, large and small. She knows the neighborhood well. She's a part of it. And even when she couldn't afford a house on the block, she still was a part of it. To illustrate the point, Angelica tells me she has a surprise for me.
1: So I'm gonna take you first to this mural.
0: We drive past her dad's old club. It's an appliance store now. And pull up behind this small grocery store.
1: My cousin was married to one of the sons of the owner. Of this grocery store. So they had um, painted the mural on the side of the wall. Hmm. So, right there where it says Unity, you see a boy sitting down and a girl in the stroller and the two girls up top. Well, the two girls up top are my cousins. That's my brother. And the little girl in the stroller is me. Whoa. So, that's when we were growing up. so, So, it's still there. I've taken pictures of it... Do you mind if I take a
0: picture real quick? No, go for it. Yeah.
1: Just in case if ever they decided to paint it since it's like years Mm. and years of years and years of paint slowly going away, but this is one of the originals.
0: Wow. You guys are literally like part of the neighborhood, part of the history of the neighborhood.
1: Yeah.
0: How Angelica got to this moment, as an adult admiring this painting of her childhood self, is full of twists and turns. For four years, from 12 to 16, Angelica was in and out of multiple behavioral programs. Now she was coming home.
1: They were trying to reintegrate me back to my mother and stuff like that.
0: Angelica moved back in with her mother and brothers.
1: And our relationship never, you know, was good.
0: The one thing that set the course for Angelica's life, perhaps even more than getting kicked out, was the birth of her son. When she came home, Angelica got a job at a clothing store in the mall. One day, this guy comes in. He's kind of giving her glances across the aisles and flirting with her as she's folding clothes. Tell me about the first time you saw him.
1: Um, We were at the food court and stuff, and I had went to the Taco John's and then he was looking, so I started looking back and then, One thing led to another, started having a conversation, and we got together.
0: By 17, Angelica was pregnant and desperate to get away from her mother.
1: So then I ended up moving in with him.
0: Things were good. They started talking about loose plans to move to St. Louis. Then those plans got more serious. Angelica put in her two weeks' notice at the clothing store. And then right before the move, she made one last trip to the mall.
1: We had packed up our stuff, I went to pick up my last check at county seat. And when I got back to the apartment, he had already left. He took the U Haul and decided to Whoa. leave. So I was still out there pregnant.
0: He went to St. Louis without you?
1: I'm assuming that's where he ended up going. You don't know? No. Wow. I didn't talk to him until my son was almost one. Oh my God. After that.
0: Angelica was completely blindsided. She couldn't afford the apartment they'd shared without him, and someone else had already signed the lease. Her son was on the way, and the last place she wanted to go for help was back to her mom. Here's how Angelica sums up the feeling of having life so suddenly and violently twist.
1: It's like a circle. It's like a a cat and mouse game. You could get it when you're here, but then You know, here comes the cat. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you get in the cheese, here comes the cat.
0: Angelica is a mouse being chased by a cat. She's Jerry, and life is Tom, except he's crueler. The next few years would feel like that. Like she was on the run from a life that was out to get her. For the first of many times in her life, Angelica needed a place to stay. And she didn't want to ask her family for help. So, with the cat right behind her, Angelica had two choices: start running or make friends with a bigger cat. Next time, on where I stay. And break apart. I'll break apart. Where I stay is produced by Rivet and Streetwise. The show is hosted, reported, and produced by Jesse Battend. Streetwise is a weekly street publication that provides immediate income and employment opportunities to those experiencing homelessness. For more in-depth reporting and coverage, check out streetwise.org. If you enjoyed this show, there's a few things we'd ask of you. First, tell someone that, that you enjoyed it. Second, please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It's one of the most crucial things when it comes to helping us spread the word. You can also learn more about Streetwise's mission at streetwise.org. And if you'd like to help support this kind of work, it's easier than ever. Text STREETWISE, all one word, to 243725. Or visit streetwise.org for more information. Special thanks to Angelica and everyone who spoke with me for this project. Our theme song is The Deconstruction by Eels. Check out their new album, Earth to Dora, wherever you get your music these days. For more about Angelica, the show, and in-depth reporting about the issues discussed, follow Streetwise on social media, or just pick up a copy. Once again, you can make a difference in the life of someone experiencing homelessness by texting STREETWISE to 243725. You can also find that link in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Jesse Patend. Thank you for listening.